Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we are reading 1 Kings 3, which just so happens to be one of my favorite Bible passages of all time. And yes, I know that's so random, but here's why. Back when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I was on the dance team at my high school. In my first year on the team, I very quickly noticed that there was a problem, a big problem. The older girls were incredibly unkind to the younger ones. Now, normally in high school, as we all know, seniority is a thing. The upperclassmen wear lettermans, they get special privileges, it's really fun to be a senior in high school. But this was different. Girls would be standing in line to get on the bus to go perform at a football game, and older girls would come up, aggressively catch them by surprise as they pushed them out of the line, shouted seniority, and laughed as the younger girls stumbled out of the line, tripping as they went. It was mean, it was bullying, and stuff like that happened all the time. And it it really drove me crazy in a, a holy, deep-down-in-my-heart kind of way as I knew this wasn't how God wanted his image bearers to be treated. I just saw hurt everywhere. So as any Jesus-loving high school girl would, I thought, I'm going to apply for an officer position on the dance team, and I'm going to make this better. I can affect change. I can do it. I was a very ambitious sophomore in high school. But so I did. I applied for officer. I got the position. I was second in charge. A senior was our colonel. Until she wasn't. Due to some medical issues, she had to leave the team. So as an underclassman, I was promoted to head girl. And in all honesty, again, as any high school girl would, I thought this was the end of the world because the whole reason I tried out to be an officer was because of these seniority issues, the bullies. And now they're all going to hate me because I'm the underclassmen bossing them all around. How could this possibly help me make a difference? I asked God. I was frustrated and confused. I felt like I could never lead the team in a helpful way, that my witness for Christ would be gone. I'd always be swimming upstream, and I truly believed I would never measure up. But then one day at dance camp, when I was in my room alone all week, since the other officer girl was gone, I pulled out my phone and opened the Bible app. And the verse of the day happened to be from 1 Kings 3. And I started learning about Solomon at 15 years old. Starting in verse 7, I read Solomon's words. Now, O Lord my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. And that's what I felt. In my own little high school bubble, that's what I was living. God, I wasn't supposed to be the head officer that senior girl was, but now you've put me in this position and I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Solomon in verse 7, O Lord my God, you've made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And then I thought the reality is, even though I don't feel like I should be leading an abnormally large dance team of 70 girls, here I am, Solomon, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they can't be counted. But then I saw Solomon do something different. Verse 9, he says to God, Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Let me read that again. Give me an understanding heart. Give me wisdom so that why? Why? 
so that I can govern your people well, so that I can lead God's people, God's image bearers well, and know the difference between right and wrong, so that I can lead God's people well and as a leader be marked by righteousness. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? He was humble. Solomon stunned me. He pierced my heart. These scriptures pierced my heart because on a micro level, my heart understood the pressures of leadership he was feeling. My heart longed to succeed and make an impact, to make a difference. I wanted my peers to know Jesus and to quit being mean to each other. And I knew, I mean, I was confident I was not able to do this job in my own strength. It was paralyzing. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. Verse 11. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. Verse 13. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now, for high school Emma, the application for me was to pray for wisdom regularly. If I look back at most of my journaled prayers from high school, they almost always include a prayer begging God for wisdom to help me lead the team and lead my friends to him. That became the pattern of my life. But I'm still waiting on the riches and fame part. Yet the principle remains the same. No matter what season of life we are in, God loves it. He delights in it when we ask for wisdom, confidently trusting in him as our provider. James 1, 2 through 8 in the NLT reads, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. But here in 1 Kings 3, we see an excellent picture of what it looks like to confidently and humbly submit a request to God for wisdom. One commentator who wrote many, many years ago puts it like this. Solomon's prayer shows the temper with which he entered his reign. There is no exultation. His serious and clear-eyed spirit sees and rule a heavy task. It's a weighty job. He contrasts his inexperienced rawness with the truth and righteousness and veteran maturity of his great predecessor and trembles to think that he, a mere lad, sits on David's throne. But he pleads with God that he has made him king and implies that therefore God is bound to fit him for his office. He he has to come through. That is the boldness permitted to faith, to remind God of his own past acts, which pledge him to give what he has put us into circumstances to need. He says, God, because you've put me here, you've got to come through. With beautiful humility, the commentator continues, Solomon dwells on his youth and inexperience and on the vastness of the charge laid on him. 
All these considerations are the motives for his choice of a gift and also pleas with God to grant his request. Though the request is not the highest, he he could have asked for something better, it may well be taken as a pattern by the young. Young people, pay attention. Note the view of his position from which it rises. To Solomon, dignity means duty, and his crown was not a toy, but a task. The responsibilities, not the enjoyments, of his station, of his role, were uppermost in his mind. That is the only right view to take. Youth is meant to be enthusiastic and to feed its aspirations on noble deals. And if, instead of that, it does as too many do, especially in countries where wealth abounds, namely regards life as a garden of delights or sometimes as a sty where young men may wallow in pleasures and farewell to all hopes of high achievements of an honorable career. He's saying, don't get distracted. You can have fun, enjoy being young, but don't get distracted. Youthful ideals will fade fast enough. But alas, for the life which had none to begin with, I note the sense of insufficiency for his task. He continues, I note the sense of insufficiency for his task. Youth is prone to be overconfident. That's our ditch. And to think that it can be better than its fathers who were as confident in their time. There is a false humility which flattens the spirit and keeps from plain duty. It gets in the way. And there is a true lowliness which feels that the task must be attempted, though the heart may shrink, though it may be scary, and which impels to prayer for fitness not its own. He who tells God his consciousness of his impotence, he who acknowledges before God his weakness and asks him to supply his strength to its weakness and his wisdom to its inexperience will never avoid work because it is too great, nor ever fail to find power according to his need. What's his point? Solomon's superpower was that he acknowledged his weakness. Say that again. Solomon's superpower was that he acknowledged his weakness, and he asked for help. That's a great challenge for us today. How are we doing at acknowledging our weaknesses? How are we doing at acknowledging our weaknesses and asking God confidently for help? As always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.